The Nets make headlines on Monday by moving away from three of the coaches off their staff under Jacques Vaughn. Is this a thing, a sign of things to come for where Brooklyn is headed, or is it just standard operating procedure in the NBA? We're going to get into that and more for that right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I am Doug Nori, owner-operator, DFSR.com. If you need some projections for FanDuel or DraftKings, we've been covering NBA for as long as anyone in the biz over there, DFSR.com, so go check that out. You can grab a free trial for all those projections. No Adam Armbrecht, who's deep and now in a Devils playoff run. He is taking a much-needed off-season break here. Be back later on in the week to get us back rolling side-by-side on the podcast. For now, though, we still got tons to cover. The off-season never stops. Even when your team gets swept out of the playoffs by the Sixers, who just beat the Celtics without Joel Embiid, news comes at you basically all the time with the way the basketball runs these days. And that was the case for the Nets on Monday, who announced that they had moved um, off of three of the coaches, off of their coaching staff under Jacques Vaughn, uh, and would be looking in different directions when it came to guys who maybe a little bit more end the bench, depending on where you want to look. Igor Kokoskov, Brian Keefe, and Tiago Splitter uh, had all been relieved of their duties as assistant coaches for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about what that means in the NBA. I mean, how normal or abnormal it is for coaches to sort of cycle on through an NBA team, what these specific guys meant for the Nets, you know, during their tenure, and maybe some possible names that have been thrown out there um, going forward about who could replace them. I think the key here to start is that Jacques Vaughn is still the head coach. Uh, obviously, he was the uh, head assistant and then brought in to be the head coach when the Nets moved off of and fired Steve Nash uh, earlier in the season. So just from a high level, it's not all that surprising that the Nets would make some coaching changes here. These guys, some of them, like Igor, were specifically brought on to coach under Nash to help Steve Nash at the time. You know, this is now Jacques Vaughn's staff. He might want to shape it into the way that he sees fit. And this is, to some degree, some of what happens in the NBA with assistant coaching turnover. These jobs tend to be much more fluid than the head coaching position. And it's not crazy for teams, especially teams that made exits early in the playoffs or didn't make the playoffs at all to move off, move off of coaches uh, in the short term, just because that's just kind of the way it goes. And if you're Jacques Vaughn, where you took over midseason, they weren't going to make any coaching changes uh, underneath him at the time. This situation was a little different. He was moving, you know, sort of just up one rung on the ladder. No one replaced him on the staff. Um, it's It still stands to reason that this was not the staff that was molded and shaped into the vision that he had with the same number of guys. So it doesn't sound like there's love lost or so it doesn't sound that there's um, any hard feelings around this. I you know that was reported. And again, this is the kind of thing that does happen in the NBA with teams that there just tends to be coaching turnover in these ranks because 
these jobs, just the situations change, the motivations change, the guys at the top like Jacques Vaughn end up changing, and, and that's sort of the situation you get. With the three coaches that the Nets did move off from, uh, Igor Kokoskov, Brian Keefe, and Tiago Splitter, each of them had their own duties with the team as NBA coaching staffs tend to do. You tend to have a head coach, for those that don't know, you tend to have a head coach, then you have assistants who work on varying levels of the team hierarchy. So usually you'll have uh, an like a main offensive guy, a main defensive guy. Then you'll have player development guys or um, just guys that will end up working with group, either individual or groups of players uh, during, you know, during development stages or just during game planning or tape and stuff like that. So just because you're an assistant coach, you tend to have um, siloed duties when it comes to the overall team. And that was the case here with these guys for the Nets. Igor uh, was an offensive guy. He had come over from Dallas. He had been the Suns head coach in the past. He was a Nash hire. He was there to sort of mold and shape what the offense was going to look like. Uh, Brian Keefe, he was hired in 2021. He was more of a defensive guy. He had been rumored and it's been reported uh, to be in line for the Pistons job at the beginning of the season. Um, and now he might still with an, with a coaching vacancy there as well. He might be up for that job as well. And then Tiago splitter uh, had started under player development and then moved up into the assistant coaching ranks uh, as time went on for him. He had been there since 2019 with each of these guys moving on from Igor and Keith specifically. I mean, that does, you know, that is not, that's something of a ground shift. It's not a monumental move here by the team, but it does signal that they are going to go in new directions with both the offense and the defense. Uh, and it's easy to, to some degree to see why we can see where some of these stats landed. Um, and if the Nets didn't feel like this was part of what their future held for how they wanted to, you know, put together the franchise, the team going forward, then moving on from the head guys that who, again, were not hired by Jacques Vaughn, who were not the, who were not meant to be directly working under Jock Vaughn as the head coach when they were originally hired. So there could be some, some just sort of mutual feelings here about what the overall plan was, but we for sure are looking at a situation where the nets are going to be moving into new guys, whether that's on their current staff now or outside hires. We'll go through some names that were been floated out uh, in the past, or excuse me, been floated out uh, regarding these vacancies. We could see a new look on the bench that will, that could signal changes on both the offense and the defense event. And frankly, that's probably like good news. I think that there's, it's always good, especially when something's not super dynamic and overly amazing to get uh, new heads in there to sort of look at the situation, look at the player personnel and decide what the best strategies are going forward with the guys that you have. And to know that you're going to be working under Jacques Vaughn, as like right from day one, rather than there being shifting around of pieces sort of midseason, like you get when you fire your head coach, right? They fire Steve Nash. Um, and that a lot of these guys came in knowing, thinking they were going to be working for Nash going for the long term. And that just ends up not being the case because when situations need to change and things get really, really bad, it usually is the head coach that ends up taking the fall. So moving on from Igor here, moving on from Brian Keefe. Going to get a new look at both the offense and the defense. We'll go through who is left on the staff for the Brooklyn Nets and some names that were thrown out as possible uh, replacements on the bench for Jacques Vaughn and Sean Marks going forward. Before we get to that, I'm going to let you know this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
it's easy to get caught up um, from time to time and things you need. You know, it's hard to think about taking time for yourself. It's hard to think about how to maybe better yourself. We all spend our time giving. Um, and sometimes it just makes you feel real uh, stretched thin, really burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life. So you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Uh, you can help learn positive coping skills. You can learn how to set boundaries. It can empower you uh, to be the best version of yourself. Um, maybe you experience some trauma out there. Maybe you just have things that you like to talk out. This is where better help can come in. It's great to give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do for better help, you fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You switch therapists anytime, but there's no additional charge there. Find someone that works with you. Find more balance with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp H E L P dot com slash locked on. NBA. All right. So who is left on the Nets bench right now um, in terms of their overall uh, coaching staff? They do have four assistant coaches now. Again, they they had seven total assistants. They started the season with eight. Jacques Vaughn was one of the assistants, gets moved up to head coach. They never replaced Jacques Vaughn. He was like the head assistant. Um, They don't replace anyone with that title. So they were left with seven coaches. They let three of them go, and now they have four remaining. One is Adam Caporn. It is me. It, um, it's thought that he is going to step in probably to a much bigger role here. He coached the summer league. If you watch any summer league games, he was the one, the kind of the face of that of that group at the time. He's really well regarded within the organization. Um, there is some speculation that he could maybe move up the ranks here uh, into one of those vacated positions running uh, running one side of the ball. So that's a, a familiar face if you've been following the team for a little while. I think everyone would feel pretty good about that situation. Not to say that's going to happen, but these there were four guys on this team that on this coaching staff that were still left. Well, another one was Ryan Forehand Kelly. Um, if you had watched uh, some Nick Claxton stuff during the offseason, him trying to improve some of the foul shooting, uh, Ryan was one of the guys that had ended up working with with, with Claxton. Um, again, a lot of times assistant coaches end up working with individual players or small groups of players. Uh, that was been something that he had been tasked with. Then they also have Trevor Hendry and Royal Ivy. Those of you maybe know Royal Ivy had been tied to Kevin Durant for a while. If you watch Yes coverage, uh, Royal was a guy that they tended to interview coming out of halftime. Uh, always gave a great interview. Um, he remains with the staff as well, Texas guy. Uh, who had been there with Durant? So that is the group that is now the uh, that now that is the the remaining group of of coaches for this team. Look, things around this situation with coaching is always a little funny because you tend to get like coaching trees. It's not as the same exact thing as the NFL, where you just get these you know different coaching trees and then they all spread out through. Uh, the rest of the league, but the NBA does have some hallmarks of that. Like, you know, the nets in the past have been tied to some Spurs stuff. Jacques Vaughn was with the Spurs. Some of these other guys, you know, obviously Tiago splitter was with the Spurs. We know that some of these there's sort of holdovers from groups of teams or under specifically coaches that have been there for a long time, like pop. Like if you're, if you've been in the league for a long time, like Rick Popovich, you are going to have a bunch of coaches that have presumably go on to bigger and better things off of your staff. Part of that's just a time thing. Another thing is you're good at identifying talent and you're good at, um, 
just being in the league long enough to cycle through a lot of assistant coaches. So there are Spurs ties uh, within the Nets. Not to say that that's a direction they're definitely going to go going forward with new hires, uh, but that's been something of a theme with the staff in the past. It's important to, I will say, assistant coaches are sometimes, you know, sometimes you tend not to hear much about them um, unless one, they, they are let go, like in situations like this. Two, they've been in the league for tons of time uh, just because like, you know, Igor has been in the league for, for years and years and years now. Um, and they just sort of be end up being sort of like perennial assistant coaches. So those names get just kind of get bandied about a little bit more. Um, or do you just, or, or if they're rumored because they are the next guys that could end up being great head coaches, like you'll start to hear names floated around. And a lot of those, and a lot of times those guys do become great head or the next head coaches. Like this happened with Darvin Ham. Uh, this happened. Uh, with Will Hardy, uh, obviously Joe Mazzula took over uh, for um, uh, for Ime over there in Boston, but his name had been talked about a lot. So you will start hearing rumblings of different guys who could take over head coaching positions in, in the future because their name, their thought, they're maybe on the younger side. They're thought to have um, some maybe like real pedigree coming up, uh, coming up the coaching ranks. So, and but those tend to be like the only times you'll really, really hear assistant coaches get talked about a ton uh, just because that's just like the nature of the gig. The nature of the gig is a little more low profile outside of team circles. Um, it's just, you know, the head coach ends up becoming the face of the franchise outside of just these out of break interviews, which you get every once in a while, they tend not to get tons of mic time. And that's just the way that uh, the, the assistant coaching ranks sort of go. Like I said, Brian Keefe, maybe he's maybe he's going to be in line for a Pistons gig. I'm not sure if that's still you know on the table or not for him, but that is what ends up happening when it comes to head coaches in the NBA, uh, just because that's just how things get things get sort of dissected with the group that's left. Look, there might we probably hear over the next couple months about what the Nets plans are in terms of filling up some of these positions. Uh, it stands to reason that one or maybe two of these guys is going to move up and become just sort of the head of a different section of the team. It does. It makes sense. That would make sense to be the case if because these guys specifically were kept on. But I'm not exactly positive because there are some names that have been floated out there. there excuse me. There have been names that have been floated out there who could end up becoming part of this organization in a bigger way, or maybe even jumping over. Excuse me. Some of the guys that end up being left here. Uh, the great Alex Schiffer, who writes for the Athletic. Um, and covers the, the Nets as good as anybody in the whole league when it comes to covering a team. He gave a quick breakdown of some guys who could be considered for moving up different spots or just joining the team. And again, this is just a list that w- would be considered. He's throwing it out there from sources that he has. Um, so it's just not None of these are for sure going to be the case, uh, but these are guys that may end up joining the staff and probably would be considered to be pretty good hires. They have Ronnie Burrell, who's the, right now he's the Long Island Nets uh, coach. Uh, they've had a really successful run uh, over the last couple of years. Wouldn't be shocked uh, to see him join the staff. Vaughn has talked highly about him in the past. So, and they've moved the guys up from the, from Long Island before, like Adam Caporn, like I said, he was uh, on, on Long Island and then he, um, and then ends up becoming part of the staff. So if Ronnie Burrell, who's done a really good job in Long Island, ended up joining the staff, 
that wouldn't be surprising at all. A couple other guys that uh, Alex mentions, he mentions James Borrego. You might recognize him. He used to be the Charlotte Hornets head coach. He uh, was let go, and then Steve Clifford replaced him. He is a, he had worked with uh, Jacques Vaughn in the past in Orlando so, um, as the lead assistant there, so they have ties going back. They were at, uh, they had time in San, San Antonio together as well. Borrego, he was you know was the run in Charlotte amazing? No, I mean <laughs> was that a situation that might be hard to just win? Sure, I, he did exceed expectations two years ago, two years ago, three years ago, when it looked like maybe they weren't going to be that good and the team ended up being decent. Huh, I don't, don't mind that one. He's also been considered for some head coaching jobs as well. So we'll see where James Borrego uh, ends up landing. It's not, you know, maybe this isn't, it's, it's hard to know exactly how inviting this situation is too. And that's another thing to consider. Like is the Nets, or is the Nets assistant coaching job, you know, a good enough gig for some of these guys. I, I don't know. Like it doesn't, in some ways it doesn't seem like it is. It feels like it's going to be a little bit more development than anything else going forward. Uh, but it's, you know, there are, there are ways that this can shake out uh, depending on sort of beauty is in the eye of the beholder where you think it's going to be. But because Borrego has ties to Jacques Vaughn uh, from the past, it makes sense. Chad Forcier, uh, assistant coach for the bucks. Is another guy, Alex mentions another guy who comes from the Spurs line. Um, could be a type of guy that they want to work in, um, bring in with player development. Um, he has a track record there, according to Alex, uh, when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, other guys, Chip Anglin, who's currently an assistant coach with the Thunder. Joe Prunty, assistant coach with the Hawks right now, who might be moving on from or going to be moving on from these guys because Quinn Snyder is up in the mix now there. And then he mentions Brett Gunning, who was a guy that had been previously with the Rockets and the Magic. Also a guy that had been on Jacques Vaughn, uh, Jacques Vaughn's staff when he was in Orlando. So you can see how some of these guys end up being connected to Vaughn. I mean, look, Jacques Vaughn has been in the league a long time. The guy's worked with a lot of guys. He's been a head coach in the past. Um, he's been an assistant coach for years and years. He's overlapped, overlapped with a lot of guys um, in the past. And, you know, to say that is what happens in the NBA. Sure. If you, like I said with pop, if you end up being in the league for a really long time, you're going to end up overlapping with a lot of different coaches who are up and you know, depending on where they are on their own timeline. So that's just going to be the case too. It's good. I think it's good from an um, just uh, I think Vaughn is a respected guy in the league. I think guys, you know, depending on where they are in their own careers would want to come and, and working would want to come and work with him. So I don't think it's, I don't think like that would necessarily be a turnoff, but the Nets as an organization, uh, I'm not really sure. Like guys who had been as, uh, head coaches in the past, are they going to want to come be an assistant under Vaughn for a team who it's like un, a little unclear about where they are, are going in the NBA right now? I'm not really sure, but so it's an interesting list. I'm sure the list will expand some and we'll begin hearing some rumblings um, about where this could go in terms of the Nets adding more coaches. And that's always fun to kind of try to sort this stuff out because you want to try to hire good assistant coaches because they can lead different parts of your team. And if you can catch a guy on the rise who's going to become you know, a head coach, one day we've seen teams really succeed with this kind of stuff. Like Will and Hardy and Missoula were under Ime Adoka and, uh, Ime Adoka and that – those guys end up being great head coach. Really, I mean, what, what do you think of Missoula? But they both become head coaches, and sometimes your assistants can be as big a part, or many times your assistants 
are as big a part of the process as anything else. So interesting situation going on here for the Nets. I'm sure we're going to get more information as time goes on. Want to close this out in a second, just talking a little playoffs, what we've seen since the Nets exited, uh, exited things, and some interesting news that came out of Memphis. We'll get into that in a second. All right, close out the podcast here, having you know, following talking about where the Nets are going, uh, possibly with assistant coaches. Just a couple of news and notes around the league. Some this playoffs continues to be really, really fascinating in terms of just like the overall storylines. Just like sort of like on a night to night basis, we're just getting really cool stuff. I hope everyone here is still tuned in to just general NBA action, even though the Nets are out of the mix, because these playoffs have been super, super captivating. A couple old friends in James Harden and Kevin Durant both played on Monday night. Harden had probably, you know, not even probably his best game, uh, his best playoff game of his career against the Celtics. Uh, without They were without Joel Embiid. The Sixers were Harden drops 45, hit a complete dagger three to close out the game over Al Horford on this little step back. And the Sixers steal a game in Boston um, to take a one nothing lead in that series. Uh, Harden's game, you know, he looked better in this game than he looked at any point during the net series, which is totally, totally wild how, how good he looked. Um, kind of shocking, honestly, about how good the Sixers were and that they were able to come out of that game with a win. They were nine-point underdogs going into the game. So for the fact that they were able to beat the Celtics on the road without Joel Embiid, I mean, we've seen a – We've seen a lot of big upsets in the in the playoffs so far. Obviously, the Heat and uh, being the primary one, but like this South this Sixer win over the Celtics was definitely one of the biggest upsets you'll see, kind of in quite some time. Like it's sort of unfathomable that they were able to beat the Celtics, uh, but it was basically on the back of Harden. Harden was just super super efficient, looked like the old version of James Harden. It, no matter kind of what you think about Harden, as I know if you're a Nets fan, it's really hard to cheer for him just because of how he exited the team. Um, just from a basketball standpoint, it was like it was a kind of a spectacle to watch. So, um, if you're not tuned into that series, I would definitely go check that one out. That was uh, that was a really good game. And then you get other old friend Kevin Durant, who is now down two nothing with the Suns to the Nuggets. Uh, they get in a complete rock fight, 97 87. Uh, the Nuggets end up winning that one. They'll go to they go up two nothing in that series. The Suns have looked like just like super weird at times. If you're watching that series, they they first game they didn't shoot any threes. It was just crazy how few they shot. I think they shot like 15 threes total in the first game. Second game they definitely changed that. Durant took 12 on his own. He only made two of 12. Really struggled from the field. I personally still root for Durant. Like I don't know how Nets fans feel about this situation. I really enjoyed watching Kevin Durant. Really enjoyed covering Kevin Durant. I still kind of root for Kevin Durant here. Like, and so it was kind of a bummer to see him struggle from the field. It was nuts with the Suns because they ended up shooting a ton more threes, couldn't get to the foul line at all. Shot five total free throws the entire game. Durant definitely had some qualms here during the game around times he thought he was fouled and was getting really just frustrated at times. Um, with what he thought were definitely non-calls, um, but they end up shooting five total free throws. Uh, Booker goes three for three. Durant goes two for two. Suns end up losing and are now in kind of real trouble here against Denver. Look, these series can end up changing on a dime. Things can always just go a little differently. It never, you know, you're never as bad as, you, as it looks when it starts. Denver definitely has some real advantages at home. 
for sure. But yeah, if I'm a Suns fan or if, if, if you're a Suns fan, you're worried if you're anti Durant, cause you don't like the way that he left or you don't like the way things shook out in Brooklyn, then maybe you're feeling pretty happy about it. Kind of depends how you feel overall, um, overall with where that ends up landing. All right. A couple other things here um, with the Miami heat. That one continues to be this heat. Nick series is nuts. It looks like Jimmy Butler, you know, by the time you listen to this, we'll know if Butler is going to end up playing against the Knicks. Uh, Julius Randle was questionable. I never figure out why someone can explain it to me or I'll look it up here. Why they don't reseed these playoffs? Like why wouldn't these teams didn't split up and play the Sixers in Boston? I just don't really know. It's always seems weird to me. Uh, because that seems like how it should should have shook out, uh, but it didn't end up doing it. So you know these these games are going on tonight while we podcast. I'm gonna get the you'll have the uh, the results of this by the time you listen to it. So we'll already know where Heat and Knicks land, and then you get the Lakers and Warriors, which you got to be on the edge of your seat for, especially after that Steph massive massive Steph game over the Kings on Sunday, which was that one. I said that one of these games, that Harden game, was the best of his career in the playoffs. Curry's game was like one of the best of all time in the playoffs. That game was completely sick. Um, he was just totally ridiculous, played sort of a different game than he's used to even playing just from a, I think he had like an effective usage rate of like 60% or some crazy, crazy number in that game made what felt like everything. So these playoffs, I don't know if you're, if you're a Nets fan and you started tuning out because of the way things shook out for Brooklyn, I, I totally get it. But I really would suggest like tuning back in, man. These games have been really, really good. There's some really cool storylines going on in the NBA. Uh, just in terms, really, each series has a cool storyline. I think whether just no matter which way you slice and dice it, um, and that's a good thing for the NBA. I, I think we're not in a situation like we'd been in the past where it seemed very obvious around which one or two teams were going to probably end up landing near the top. This thing still feels like totally, totally wide open, and and I think that's overall is a really, really good thing for the NBA just because it makes it more interesting on a night-to-night basis, and that's definitely the case that we've had here. All right, we're going to get out of here. Hopefully, Mr. Adam Armbrecht will be back tomorrow as we start pairing back up, diving into more stuff with the Nets offseason. In the meantime, make sure you like and subscribe. We're over on YouTube where those numbers continue to climb, even though the Nets are out of it. Much appreciated. Everyone that jumped in there over on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Adam is always the one that comes up with the quotes at the end of the podcast. So I got to the end of another podcast and forgot to look a great one up from the great American poets. And for the last time, hopefully for a while, we'll say Adam Armbrecht, one of the great American poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.